The house that time remembered. Trigger warnings. Drinking slash alcoholism discussion. Car crashes mentioned. Medically assisted suicide. Euthanasia. Mentions of sexual activity. Not described in detail. Loss of limbs. Described. Vomiting. Character death. Referenced. Situational. Proxenagia. Prologue. The echoes of times bounced off these walls in unnatural patterns and waves. Voices of a time no more traveled throughout the house in an unending loop. The house had long stood abandoned, the outside weathered and tattered by time, sun, and weather as a home left uncared for tends to do. The light blue paint had begun to chip and fade from its normal cheerful hue. The yard was swarmed with weeds of all kinds. Morning glories had overtaken and reclaimed this land, climbing up the outside walls of the building. Inside, one would be met with memories, covered in mountains of dust. Photographs of a once happy family hung on the walls, some in which faces were distorted by cobwebs. There were dishes in the drying rack, and a basket of clean laundry left near the sofa, as if someone was meaning to come back soon to put them away, and yet never seemed to get the chance to do so. It wasn't always like this. There was once a time where laughter and love was commonplace inside those walls, such as both the inside and the outside of the house reflected that. It was the family home of one Paul Mayweather, with his wife Amelia and their partner Gabriel by his side. The house had never felt more like a home to him. He had grown up inside this house and had intended for his daughter to do the same. Held within the drywall walls, were the memories of his first milestones. The mumbles of Mama, Dada, and Unki for the first time. The echoes of a child taking her first step and promptly falling and yet not a shed of a single tear. You see, this house is alive with memories, its very walls breathing with energy that was left behind by some man who lived inside of it. Somewhere in the house, the sounds of loose sheets of paper scattered on the floor, shuffled and crinkled by hands too small to properly hold the crowns that color the surface. Waxy imprints of a child's perception of reality and the voices that accompany and explain their meaning to a father that simply couldn't understand. Frankly, the scribbles his daughters tried to create. It was simple, as a child art tends to be. Simple figures doing simple things clearly labeled in letters that were struggled to hold a recognizable form. Simple was the laughter of Paul Mayweather that followed the point, pointing and explanations. That one was Dada. This was Mama. And there was she. When he asked about a figure he deemed missing, for a moment she seemed almost confused, and then outraged in only a way that a toddler can manage to make an unmenacing as possible. Clearly, it wasn't done yet. He needed to be patient. Never mind that she obviously forgotten since he wasn't around the house as often as Dad, Dad, Mama. The indignation alone was enough to bring a warm, bubbling laugh somewhere deep within. There was nothing but love in it. The image fades away like grains of sand in the wind. No more was the little girl, her drawings, or the family. All that remained was dust. Until it wasn't. A new echo appeared, 
The memories bounced off the walls, and the specters replaying, flickering like one of an old movie projector, destined to forever play on repeat, as their story will never change. The house replaced the story of Paul Mayweather, knowing how the tale will end, in hopes that if it recounts it again that it might play out differently this time, that fate might have mercy on his poor soul, though it never does. For Paul Mayweather and his wife are dead. No amount of retelling the tale will make it change. Fate cannot be undone once that which is trying to be undone is only that of a memory. Chapter 1 It was a car crash that claimed their lives in the end. They were going on a trip to the ocean, one which they had been planning months in advance. Anna had always loved the sea, like father, like daughter, in that regard. Paul had a hobby of collecting sea glass and turning into jewelry for Amelia and Gabriel. Even though he had made enough to last them a lifetime, they treasured each and every piece. As much as Gabriel Minecraft wished he could have joined them, duty came first and foremost. He was tasked with a last-minute mission that needed to be done ASAP and not doing it meant facing the father's wrath, which was something he was not fond of doing as it meant putting people he loved at risk. Father Abraham was not fond of people like him, polyamorous. Under his care, having anyone find out that you were polyamorous was essentially a guaranteed stoning, likely to death. Due to that factor, his relationship with the Mayweathers was a secret he needed to take to his grave. The only people who knew of it was his two best friends from childhood, Adrian Keyes and Jeremiah Blackwood. Not just saying to screw it and joining them, though, is something that he regrets to this very day. Maybe then the car wouldn't have crashed. Maybe then they would still be alive. Four-year-old Anna was a miracle. She miraculously made it out with little more than superficial bruising and cuts. They told him that Paul died instantly in the crash, that he likely didn't feel a thing. Though it seemed like Amelia wasn't as lucky. For three months she was in a coma. When she finally did wake up, she was trapped in a living hell. The impact had caused so much damage to her spine she was essentially paralyzed. The only thing she was actually able to move when she woke up was her eyes. Using the hospital's eyes-tracking technology, she was able to communicate, telling him how there was nothing in the road when the car crashed, how she saw something when she was in her coma. A little boy. She tried to speak to him often about how he needed their help, though she would get really upset whenever she mentioned him, to the point where the nurses needed a rush in to sedate her. Amelia Mayweather couldn't continue to live life like this. Each and every day was endless suffering. The woman could not imagine her life without Paul Mayweather, and now that he was gone, she knew for a fact that this was a life she couldn't continue to live. One day, she simply couldn't do it anymore. She begged Gabriel to help her, to help see her husband again and finally be at peace. She knew it was an impossible thing to ask, and yet she had to ask it. Gabriel made the hardest decision of his life that day, and yet it wasn't one that he regrets. 
it's one of the few that he doesn't. He'd given one of the loves of his life peace, knowing that in doing so, he would never find his own. He was now left with a baby, a small child to raise on his own. He was the godfather, and it was his task to do, and yet, whenever he looked at Anna's tiny face, all he, he could see was Paul, Amelia, the family he once called his own. He was rushed with a flood of memories that cruelly crushed him with the reality that it was something he could never get back. Growing up, he never thought that he would get a family of his own. He decided that maybe it was for the best he didn't have one at all. The church promised him that they would give her the best of childhoods. Meanwhile, he threw himself headfirst into his work. It would essentially consume him, mind, body, and soul. An attempt at coping, he turned to sex and alcohol, sleeping with any monster and man alike. Booze had become his best friend, spending more time with it than anyone else. He hardly spoke to Adrian and Jeremiah anymore. Gabriel always had a hard time getting vulnerable and opening up to people. After the death of the love of his life, it made him even more of a shut-off. The walls that had once been taken down by love had been built back up ten times the strength as before. He hadn't even returned to the compound since their funerals, taking a few things of theirs from the house and putting it in one of the guest rooms of his old apartment before locking the door. It was too painful, too raw to see them. To go inside that house, he could have sworn he heard Paul's voice coming from their old bedroom when he did. It wasn't Anna's name. It was supposed to go to her the moment she turned 18, so Gabriel decided it was best to leave her parents' things to her. To him, the house was only a memory, and that's all he could handle it being. Little did he know, though, that Anna would never see that house, nor would they give her the child that they promised they would. The church had never intended for Anna to get the Mayweather home due to what they believed was held inside of it. Archive Index File reclassified under order of Bitch Boy Abraham's Cult The house seems to be the center of a time anomaly. Echoes of Mr. Mayweather's memories seem to replay in an incomprehensible loop. The memories and residual energy resemble a form of specters, though they are bound to the past and cannot interact with the outside world. The house itself is affected by the residual energy, seemingly taken aback in time while the memory is replaying. The anomaly itself is thought to be caused by an item manifested from experiment eep, secretly given to Mr. Mayweather. Item seems to be unfound. Gabriel didn't go to the room often when he was home. It was far too painful to see their faces and to be surrounded by the things that they loved. As ashamed as he admitted, he didn't see Anna much either. He tried to visit her whenever he would come back to the compound from work. At first, it went alright, despite the fact it felt like she was a specter from his past there to haunt him. Gabe still loved her deeply. More than anything in the world, actually. Though, as time passes, and as it does, she soon forgot about her uncle Gaby, seeing him as only that of a stranger. 
She was so young when the accident happened and Gabriel was gone so much. Plus the trauma of being in the car when her parents died. It was for the best that she forgot all of that. Even if that meant Gabe was left in the past as well. Anna would have been around 10 when he would face his most dangerous mission yet. It all started with a large antique mirror bought from a yard sale by a family as decor for their new home, and it ended with the death of so many. You see, it wasn't a normal mirror, of course. In fact, it was nothing of the sort. Held within that mirror was the most dangerous entity to ever grace the mirror realm. Some may even call it the god of that place. It was known as the Stranger, for it was the thing that wore your face in your reflection and smiled back. It is the rapt face you see when you gaze into your eyes all alone in the dark. The one that fills you with fear and dread. The uncanny valley that overtakes you, knowing that what you see is not actually you. Of course, Gabriel didn't know that, nor did anyone else for that matter. All he knew was that there was a trail of disappearances connected to that strange old mirror, and that it needed to be investigated. Still, he held hope he could find those claimed by the mirror's curse, though he himself would meet the same fate when coming face to face with the mirror. Sinking through the cold silver and drowning in it like a black hole he was sucked in. Once he finally reached the other side, he realized the mirror could only be worked one way. You see, time wasn't a thing in the small pocket of reflections. He wouldn't grow hungry, or thirsty, or tired, or age simply existing in the same state he was in when he entered. For days he wandered the god's prison, its voice mocking him, telling him how he would just fade like the others, and that each and every moment he was here, more and more of him would feed the stranger until there was no Gabriel Minecraft. Only it. Gabriel knew that was a bluff. Of course that's how it would go for any normal person. It's likely what happened to many, many souls before him, if the blurry-faced corpses that littered the place were anything to go by. Since Gabriel was 13, he was trained to do a job, to harness his ability and use it in his craft. It was moments like this he was grateful that his brain was like a fortress, and unless he gave you the key, no one could penetrate it. No amount of power or trying could change that. That is what made Gabriel Minecraft special. He could look a god in the eyes and it could do absolutely nothing to hurt him, at least not in the way that most gods tend to do. The stranger soon realized this. No matter how hard it tried, it couldn't take the man. Though it didn't worry too much, for he was human and in the land of reflections it's easy to go mad. After what must have been months in the real world, Gabe was at a breaking point. There was no way out. This was his prison now. He tried everything and God, it was too much. The stranger admired him though. Never had a human lasted so long. Never had it once seen with such resolve and fortitude. Because of this, the stranger made a deal with Gabriel. For some reasons, names, it's not like you'll see them much anyways. Give them to me and I'd show you a way to escape. Desperate to leave this hell and willing to do anything, he said yes with little hesitation. 
there was a crack in one of the mirrors, far too little for the god to slip through itself, though, with the stranger's help, Gabriel made it. Mostly. He'd gotten all but one leg out when the crack instantly sealed itself. Cutting his leg clean off from under the knee, he laid on the floor at that family's home, screaming in agony. Blood pooled around him, oozing from his newly made stump. It took a long time for Gabriel to see what the stranger had truly taken from him. It hadn't lied. Not directly, though that is a trend with creatures like it. You see, the faces and the name that the stranger had claimed were ones he hadn't seen or heard in a while, though they were the ones that meant the most to him. Entering his guest bedroom and looking at their things, his skin grew cold as he realized he couldn't recall their names. What was his name again? Um, he had been in love with him since they met his teens. How could he not remember her, her hair the most beautiful shade of auburn, her laugh like the sound of angels, how he picked up a framed photo of them all together. The sound of shattering glass echoed throughout the room from promptly dropping it. He could see his own face just fine. He could... He could see baby Anna's with her large, doe-like eyes as well, though when he tried to gaze at the faces of those two people he loved most in the world, all he saw were blurry masses of flesh, just like the corpses that littered the halls of the stranger's prison. It was then that Gabriel threw up in his realization. His whole body shook as the world spun around him, as if he were trapped on a carousel. He ended up fainting, taking an unwelcome nap on a glass and puke-covered floor. He could handle losing a limb. He could handle losing all of them. But he couldn't take losing them. The only thing he had left them were in his memories, and now they were gone. The stranger had taken it. It was his own damn fault, he convinced himself. If he hadn't been trying to run away from them and hide, maybe the stranger would have taken something else. After this, Gabriel's alcohol use only got worse. Gabriel Minecraft is a fortress. After that day, he promised himself he would never get close to anyone again. He would never hand over the key to anyone or anything. He would never love or trust anyone. He couldn't bear to lose any more, any more heartbreak. Unlucky for him though, many years down the line, a now colder and crueler Jeremiah than he once knew would give him a task. One in which he wouldn't have the option of refusing. He would have to take care of a particular troublesome teenager known as Alex. The kid history was relatable in some degree in the fact that they both had blood on their hands from a very young age. Despite the fact, Father Jeremiah and Gabriel now had a very rocky relationship. He was the only one that Father trusted to actually rehabilitate Alex. Gabe was the only person he thought could really help and understand the child. Gabriel was not happy with the idea of being essentially a full-time babysitter, 
nor was he happy with the fact that he could bind him to the compound. To the memories, so close and yet so out of his reach. He expected to hate Alex, that or feel nothing for the child at all. He promised himself he would never give anyone else the key. He promised himself. Yet, the more and more time he spent with them, the more as if he felt like he was his own, his son. That Alex being here was the universe giving him another chance to make things right. Gabe hated himself for abandoning Anna, and this was his chance to do it all over. Without even realizing it, the fortress of a man had opened the gates and had let someone inside for the first time since the death of his loved ones. He loved his son more than anything, and Gabriel was finally able to feel like a person again. For the sake of his son, he tried to stop drinking, and when Gabriel truly sets his mind to something, nothing can stop him. All seemed to be finally going right into this world, until it wasn't. Out of nowhere, his son started shying away from him, hiding in his room, hardly speaking a word to him. A drastic shift had happened, like an earthquake in his reality had occurred and shook everything out of its place. It was at this time he started to get sick. He tried to hide it the best if he could, from his son. Alex hardly even acknowledged his existence anymore. It wasn't difficult at all. Nonetheless, he was terrified of losing the one thing he had left. He would have cared little for his own life if it wasn't for his son he needed to be there for. Alex's birthday was only a few days away. Gabriel had been planning this day out for months. He wanted to make it special for the teen. Something to help bring them close again and create a memory that the younger wouldn't want to forget. One that he could look back fondly on when his father was no longer there and to make new memories with. Of course, gifts aren't the most important part. Though, the man had created his own little hoard for the special day. There was something itching at him, though. A memory at the back of his skull. He didn't know if Alex even liked the thing, but... He meant to give it to his first child, and Anna's father wouldn't let him do so. Maybe Alex would have a better appreciation for it. Said gift was an old teddy bear, its fur faded, curly brown, with thin legs that was the longest part of its body. Its head was unusually large, as were the buttons soon for its eyes. Someone he had a fling with when he was really young, knew he was a collector of odd things, had gotten their hands on the dolls and given it to Gabe. Inside of it was a spirit of a young boy, one with a very tortured past. The young spirit swore to protect and watch over kids, so that no other child could be harmed like he was. The doll itself had full anatomy, and it is able to move around freely as a normal child his age would. As well, it could enter the dreams of those around it, acting as a guide and a dream catcher of sorts, keeping away nightmares and negative energy. He tried to give it to Anna when she was born, as a companion, though Anna's father was unmistakably freaked out about it, and claimed to have brought it to the archive where it belonged. Though, in the present day, when Gabriel went to the archive to steal it as a gift for his boy, there was not a single trace of it. There was no record of the teddy bear even being brought in. 
Gabriel knew his love would never lie purposely. God knows he was horrible at it. So the next assumption was that he simply forgot, which meant that it must be somewhere in the house. The house he hadn't stepped a foot in since they died. The bear really shouldn't be that important to him. Though, with all of his son seeming to be going through, he knew that something like that could really help. Plus, the thought of the child inside of the teddy bear being trapped inside of that house all alone for all of this time made his heart fall from its place and its chest into the pit of his stomach. So, for the first time in what felt like a lifetime, Gabriel made his way home. Chapter 2 He held his breath as the house came into view. He made it a habit not to look at it whenever he drove by. This was the first time he really got a good look at this place in years. He parked a car behind the house and got out of view, in case people passed by since technically what he was doing was breaking and entering on Anna's property. He took a moment to just breathe and mentally prepare himself before finally opening the car door and taking a step out. He opened the gate with ease before entering the property. It was impossible not to step on flowers with every step, with how much weeds infested the grounds. Gabriel was surprised Anna never touched the old place. He assumed that the memories must have been too painful for her as well, having no idea about the church's deceit. He stared up at the old house he and his family once called home. The day they asked him to move in, with him flickering in his mind for a moment, before he took a deep sigh, the memory fading away. He had to stay on task. He had a reason for being here, and he couldn't let himself forget that. With new resolve, he made his way to the back door. He tried to open it, although it wouldn't budge. This fact hardly surprised him. He assumed he wouldn't get that lucky right off the bat, so he pulled out the rusty old key from his pocket and gently put it into the lock. He held his breath for a moment, hoping it wouldn't break while inside. He really didn't want to climb through a window today. At the sound of the lock clicking and unlocking, at the sound of the lock clicking and unlocking, Gabriel couldn't help stop the smile of triumph from spreading across his face. Though, the grin quickly faded as he pushed the door open and stepped inside. Looking around was just like he remembered it. The back door led directly to the kitchen. His heart sunk as he took into the view. The flowers in the vase and the dining room table. Eve was the one who brought them home for her, the day before the trip. Now, of course, after years of being left to rot, they were nothing more but just petrified, brittle twigs and petals. He dragged a finger across the countertop as he began to walk, his fingers quickly turning black while caking with dust. The pink and orange light from the setting sun steamed the kitchen's curtains, illuminating the room in a way that seemed almost dreamlike. Honestly, that's what it felt like. A dream. Being back hardly felt real. It was just then when Gabriel heard something coming slowly start to become audible. As if it was a speaker on its lowest setting steadily being turned to a higher volume. A voice. Hers. Yet, 
he could not recall her name. Amelia Mayweather's voice filled the room, humming simple yet angelic tune. Like a flickering of an old TV, a scene suddenly came into view, faded and grainy at first, but still unmistakably there. Amelia was standing at the sink, cleaning dishes, her back turned to face Gabriel. The house that was once moments ago overtaking with dust was now spotless and clean. No longer were the flowers on the dining room table dead either. Gabriel couldn't breathe for a moment before he instantly ran to her. Yet, the hand he went to put on her shoulder went right through the woman. She turned around though, and at this, Gabe jumped back, falling to the floor. Her face was nothing but a blurry mass of flesh. It seems she turned to face him. He was standing between where Gabriel was on the floor, holding a cup in his hand. He was saying words, but Gabe couldn't hear anything beside the blood rushing through his veins. He, too, lacked a face. Eventually, he walked right through Gabe. Paul put his cup in the sink and held his hands up in surrender. She gave him a death glare and just before splashing him with some water that lingered on her hands. Some droplets falling on Gabe in the process. The two laughed and kissed before the image flickered and faded out. What was that? God, what was that? He convinced himself that maybe he was just overwhelmed from the memories of grief, and that it was simply a hallucination, and yet the water droplets remained on his shirt. He didn't attempt to get up off the floor until he heard more noises coming up from the living room. He got himself up as quickly as he could before following it like a siren's call. He was a man about to drown. She was heavier than he remembered on his shoulders, hands tangled in his hair, slightly tugging to keep her tiny self balanced. It hurt, just a little if he was being honest, but he saw no point in ending a bit of harmless fun by pointing it out. Her legs kicked at the air beside of his head, his glasses were askew. He made no effort to fix them, that would require taking his hands off of her, the only thing actually keeping her steady. A woman rests on the couch in front of them both, her attention only half-fixed on whatever was in her hands. Unceremoniously, the weight on his shoulders was dumped in the woman's lap, a faint sudden exhale as the new weight pressed out the air from her lungs. The item is nearly tossed into the coffee table, and the girl nearly tumbles from her lap to the floor. Neither parents breathe for a moment. He hangs over the couch, an arm outstretched to grab her. His wife holds with the hand not still hovering by the table. Neither of them do more than stare while their daughter laughs, high and free and unaware of a very near miss she quite literally sets up the edge of. The look his wife gives makes him hide his face in her shoulder and the couch cushion she sits on. His face is jostled by trembling of her shoulders as she laughs with their daughter. His shoulders follow when he can hear anything but his heart beating in his ears again. Gabriel watched the scene play out, first following Paul around, only to end up standing in front of the couch, gazing at the three of them. He felt his heart shatter with every moment. This... 
this was real. And yet it wasn't. It wasn't real here and now. But at one point, and here it was, replaying itself before his very eyes. Yet he couldn't even truly see it. When his loves would say each other's names, all that would flood his ears was of a jumble of mess of incomprehensible sounds. He could try and reach out to touch them, to interact with the world from their time, yet to them he was a ghost. His hands would have no effect, they were only a memory. So he watched, getting lost in them, following them around the house, allowing himself to be drowned in the memories. A trio of voices were coming from behind the upstairs door. The lights were dim low, the voices were too soft to be heard in some instances, and uproarious in others. An open door would reveal a sight that seemed hazy around the edges. Paul Mayweather and his companions were seated on the floor of the room, bottles in hand and scattered aside. Paul, it seemed, was hit the hardest of the three, with a youthful Amelia whispering in his ears when he would sway against her. A vibrant Gabriel sat parallel to the two, far more accustomed to the contents of the bottle in his hands and thus more steady and level-minded. Paul Mayweather was nearly constantly on the verge of tears, nerves racking every inch of his body. He prayed it didn't show in front of Gabriel. It did. Amelia whispered to him again, giving him the tiniest little shove to punctuate her words. His eyes were dragged back to Gabriel, always right back to that central shining glow. His heart felt like it was trying to claw its way out of his throat, and the heat of his face was impossible to hide despite his best efforts. Whether that was the alcohol or the unspoken words turning his tongue to lead, it was hard to say. It brought him nearly to breaking to speak the truth out loud, to bear his beating heart to Gabriel Minecraft, and pray it would be taken sweetly in his hands. The voice of Gabriel Minecraft echoed back, and at the promised words he had hoped for since the night began, he melted completely. The kiss that followed had been awaited for, for eons, for seconds, for a lifetime a thousand times before. There was something burning, perhaps the alcohol, Perhaps the love that had been repressed for years. Sloppy, heated, full of tears and the fear of his fairy being would float away right here and now, held in the arms of Gabriel Minecraft, held in the arms of a woman who would someday be his wife. It was something so soft, so fragile. It took an eternity and 20 minutes a second and a lifetime, to pull them apart for air. Seated in a confessional of bottles and trusting hands, music covered the sounds of lips separating, now connecting, of heavy breathing when they disconnected. The anxious silence as Paul Mayweather stared up, waiting for a reply, a sign, something. Nearly a moment later, it was impossible to pry the two apart and the woman beside them congratulated herself on the well-formed plan as she took another sip of the drinks that they had been sharing. Liquid courage, liquid truth, and a hell of a hangover to come for Paul Mayweather, along with the embarrassment. It would be worth it. He watched the day they first got together. 
The day that the years and years of pinning had finally confessed. He didn't want to stop watching. Despite how painful it was, he didn't want to stop. This house was his own personal hell in heaven at the same time, and it hurt so badly, he didn't want it to end. As he followed around the specters, Gabriel Minecraft truly cried out for the first time in years. He cried because he knew no matter how long he watched these memories loop, the end would never change. Their fates were sealed even before the moment they started to replay. His loves were gone and dead, and he would never get them back, nor would he get back what the stranger took from him. He didn't know how long he was in the house. It must have been a few hours, though the sun seemed to flicker the same hue through the window as it did. Though the sun seemed to flicker the same hue through the windows as it did when he first entered. He had almost forgotten why he came to this. He had almost forgotten why he came here in the first place. Though at the same time, part of him didn't quite want to leave. At least here he could pretend. Imagine his family was still together and okay. It was almost enough. It was almost enough. Almost. Suddenly, a new memory began to play. Gabriel followed the scent, of course, only to be reminded of the reason why he came here in the first place. Absolutely not! The whispers shout from Paul Mayweather. Absolutely not! Is the whispered shout from Paul Mayweather. Gabriel Minecraft simply can't understand what the problem is, it seems, and so he insists, and reiterates, that giving a newborn a haunted teddy bear, the myriad of problems that could arise. What if it attacks them in their sleep? Gabriel, you don't know what this thing... You got it from a guy you had a thing with back in middle school. Can you really trust that what he told you was even accurate? The bear itself sits in the daughter's crib. Seemingly staring up at him, it gives Paul the weebies, the fucking heebie-jeebies if you will, the spooks, whatever you want to call it. That feeling courses through Paul's skin so much as looking at it. He does feel bad, for all he knows, Gabriel could be right. He never not trusted that Gabriel had the best intent for his goddaughter. But it wasn't a risk he was sure he could really trust himself to take. It takes most of his willpower to pick up the normal touch, and not with two fingers or a set with tongs. Gabriel would have laughed at him. He was sure. He didn't bother hiding the grimace on his face, holding it far from his body as he could deemed reasonable. It swings its legs back and forth in protest and attempt to escape the man's grasp. Gabe watches and follows along. He had long learned by now that he wasn't able to interact with an object until the memory was done using it. Though, this should lead him to the bear. The bear. God, Alex. Guiltily, Paul brought it closer to his chest, supporting its legs with his arms and with a short glance to Anna and her crib. Walked out the door, mumbling to himself. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm really not. He made a left to the door, wandering down the upstairs hall, gently scratching the teddy bear's head as he walked. 
I just don't know, Gabriel, okay? It would be for the best if this thing was put in the archive where it belongs. He didn't sound convincing, taking another sharp left at the end of the hall and down the stairs, seemingly slowing down just a touch, hesitating, wavering. He moves on, picking up the pace to match where he would be if he hadn't slowed down, landing at the bottom of the stairs in an unceremonious thud. He took a moment to adjust his hair and glasses, leaning forward towards his hands so the bear would still be supported. He didn't say a word out of place with his earlier notions, despite any protest from the specter of Gabriel Minecraft that once was. Only tilting his head as he walked to keep the conversation going, heading the opposite way back down the hall on the lower floor. He walked for quite a ways, past the kitchen entrance, past the living room, past many other specters talking and cycling through the motions, eternally unaware of one another, unable to see more than the moments that they encapsulated. Paul Mayweather strode through the hall, clipping at a brisk pace past versions of his wife, his daughter, Gabriel, his parents, and never once even acknowledged that they were there. To him, they weren't at that point in time. The only thing he interacted with as he moved was his version of Gabriel, still trying to walk with him and talk him out of it, and the bear in his hands. I, I, I'll keep it in here for a little while, but I'm going to turn into the archives myself, okay Gabe? I'm, I'm sorry. He seemed to be apologizing to both of them. He stood at the basement door, a look of shame briefly crossing his face while his occupied hands fumbled with the doorknob. The basement door swung open with his touch, creaking and groaning as the old wood struggled to keep itself together. Paul Mayweather was oblivious to it, marching down to the darkness of the basement with only mild trepidation. As if he stopped now, he might lose the resolve to do what he had set to do. Each step creaked and groaned, crying out with a bit of pressure the specter placed on them. In the basement, the cobwebs were at their worst, untouched by light, by sound, by the treads of feet, or help of a broom for many years. Spiders crawled between boxes, a layer of dust coated every surface. Paul Mayweather made no acknowledgement to the state of the place. He couldn't. Instead, he made his way over to a large, wooden chest with intricate carvings lining the bottom. It was old, much older than Paul, supposedly belonging to one of the women in his family long before he was born. He knew little about her, other than the chest that contained her memories, her belongings, her hopes for the future. He placed the teddy bear on the floor, standing to stretch for a moment before he moved a few boxes from the lid. The effort left him winded, sitting with his hands on his knees for a moment before he picked the bear back up with one hand and pushed open the lid with the other. Inside the chest were linens, photographs aged by time and touch, dishes, scratchbooks, a myriad of treasures and memories that had yet to be fully explored, and likely never would be. The bear was placed gently in the center of them, sitting up at first, with Paul resting his chin on the edge of the lid. A hand remained on the upper lid, nervous that if he moved his hand it might come down to bash him in the skull. I'm sorry, I, I really am. I, I, just, I just need some time to think. I, 
Maybe, maybe, maybe you weren't that bad. But I, you, God, I feel so dumb. I, I'm sorry. Please don't hate me too much. I'm s sure you'd like the archives. It's much cleaner than the ha in this house, and you get to meet a lot of new people. It felt bad. Bad and wrong, and every word out of his mouth contorted his face more and more with the guilt of it all. When he stopped talking, he just sat there, staring, willing himself to get up, close the box, something, anything. Something about looking in those eyes made him feel like he was doing something horrible. Chatter from the room above eventually dragged his attention away from the little bear, from the fact that it was taking most of his willpower not to cry. The twinge on his face was evident enough of that, the welling tears as he blinked away and tried to breathe through. Why was he getting so emotional about this? Something was going on. It would never be said out loud what was bothering him. One last look before the lid was closed and he rushed back upstairs, keeping a hand on his face so that if he turned back, he wouldn't see the chest and be consumed of the guilt of what he'd chosen to do. One last comment before the lid was closed, gently as if not to slam it or the little bear by accident. I'll come back for you soon, okay? I promise. You won't be here for long. I'm sorry about all of this. Please just don't kill me or hate me for this. Please. Paul Mayweather flickered up the steps, the sounds of his passing growing lighter and lighter still, till at the top of the steps and out the door, he faded like the end of a film reel and disappeared altogether. I guess he never got to keep that promise. He thought to himself. Once the memory faded, the basement was even worse than where than before. No longer lit with the light of the past, the air of the room turned stuffy. With each intake of breath, you seemed to get a lung full of dust as well. Gabriel was hardly able to see, needing to take a moment to adjust to the lack of light. He made his way to the wooden box that had become the bear's tomb for so many years. Slowly and gently, he opened the lid, and sure enough, there was the bear. It was absolutely covered in dust, its brown, curly fur now more of a gray hue. One of the large button eyes seemed to have dislodged itself, leaving it dangling off its face. For a moment, Gabe was worried that the years might have made the spirit fade. Though, sure enough, when he locked eyes with it, the bear's head proceeded to move. It tried to stand, though its tiny body shook from years of unuse, and quickly and ungracefully fell back into the box. It's okay, buddy. I gotcha. Gabriel said as he quickly picked up the doll, holding it in its arms like one would do a baby. It was looking at the bear that made Gabriel realize he couldn't stay in this house any longer. As much as he loved his family and wanted them back, he couldn't wallow in the memory of something that wasn't there anymore. Instead, he needed to be there for what was. He needed to be there for his boy. For Alex. He walked through the walls of the house one last time, taking it all in. He needed this. As painful as it was, 
He needed this to be able to let go and say goodbye. Traveling through each room and thanking them for the memories that he experienced in them. When he finally made it to the back door, he froze before speaking aloud. I love you both so much. I promise I'll do my best to make you proud of me this time. He was hardly holding back tears before, th though at this, they silently started to stream from his eyes. The bear reached up with his tiny hands to try and wipe them away. With that, Gabriel Minecraft opened the door and stepped back into the outside world, locking the door behind him. He made his way to the car and began to drive home. Little did he realize the house the time remembered kept him there for five days. There is a house in Warm Salem that has gone unlived in for many, many years. Memories bounce off the walls and echo in unusual and unnatural ways. A promise made, a gift given to be saved, lives ending in unnatural ways. He isn't alive. But it remains. It echoes. Their voice is like repeating, like radio waves. Maybe next time around they'll both be saved? Worm Salem, Archive Index. File reclassified under order of beep. Item number NA. Level 10. Date of entry. Name of item. The Mayweather Home. Collected by Not Alkable. Item Description The familiar home of former archivist Paul Mayweather. Threat Level Information Unavailable. Known Information The house seems to be a center of a time loop anatomy. Echoes of Mr. Mayweather's memory seems to be replay an incomprehensible loop. The memories and residual energy resembling the forms of specters, though they are bound to the past and cannot interact with the outside world. The house itself is affected by the residual energy, seemingly taken aback in time with the memories replaying. As well, time itself is warped within the house. Watches, as well as any form of technology, is useless within the walls of the home, as well up to five feet near it. Researching the home has shown that once entered, there is no way to tell how long you'd be trapped inside. By stepping a foot through the door, you may lose minutes, hours, or even days. And in rare occurrences, going back in time has been something that has been reported. The anomaly itself, thought to be caused by an item manifested from an experiment, beep, secretly given to Mr. Mayweather. The house was searched, but the said item seems to remain unfound. It is believed Paul hid it somewhere within the walls of the home. Supplemental by Simon Sage I was promised Paul wasn't going to be killed. That wasn't part of the deal. Yet he's dead. He's dead and his memories remain in that house. I think it's to haunt me, to remind me that I'm not only partly to blame for his passing, but I also made his life a living hell for 13 years. Though, rationally, I know the only reason this anomaly is taking place is because of that poor kid Abraham has locked up in the darkest part of the archive. 
I, not important in the grand scheme of things, and as guilty as I may be, the world remained unchanged unless I do something about. Which is why I'm resigning effective immediately. Consider this my letter of resignation and a big old fuck you, old man. I've already contacted the people on the outside about the sick shit you're doing. Paul's death will be avenged, and that kid will be freed, you disgusting fuck. You may be powerful, but you aren't God, Abraham. You're only human, and you'll always- If I could remember the uh, ending tunes of uh, fucking the CDs for- uh, Harry Potter being read out, I, I would, I would repeat it, but my memory has faded, uh, yeah, but, welcome to the fucking end, um, wow, this is supplemental to the supplemental to the supplemental, because I have yet to put music at this point, and this is just a little commentary, but, uh, yeah, I've been working at this since 11.45, it is now 4.43, and I still gotta add music and possible sound effects, but sound effects are probably not gonna happen. Uh, but yeah, wish me luck. And downloading, um, the music to be able to put in here. And... Uh, I will come back. Future me will come back for the final ending of when this is done. <laughs> yeah. Hope you like it. Hey, uh, welcome to Saving My Ass on uh, something that I did. It is 7.46 and I was uploading shit and I uploaded a Google Docs and I, re I listened to it just to make sure that it's that and I'm like, wow, this music's really loud. What the fuck is happening? And then I look back at this recording and I realized I accidentally deleted the master of my music. So good thing I could undo that before, like, I finished, but Jesus fucking Christ, I saved my goddamn ass of rehabbing to do all that fucking music because it took me an hour and a half, and it was a bitch to even figure out how to get it on here. Ugh. Anyways, I'm gonna go to bed after this is uploaded. Yay.